0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, lived a perfect life to die the death that we deserved. But today we gather to celebrate the reality that his tomb was not the end of the story, was it? Our Lord is alive. And he promised, I will be with you to the end of the age. As we gather as his people, he is with us here today. And he promised, I will defend you. You are safe in my care. I will build my church, and I will come back for you. The message of hope that we celebrate today that Wes led us into our worship team and that we've we've many of us have experienced, hopefully all of us, is that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And when we understand and trust what he did for us on the cross and the reality that he rose from the dead, verifying all that he said to be true, that our eternal destiny is forever changed. And our salvation is not just a uh, a then and there, but it's a here and now where we begin a a living uh, day-by-day, moment-by-moment relationship with our God. And life's greatest love, life's greatest purpose, life's greatest thrill is that walk with him, isn't it? And today we have a a rose on the piano. I just learned moments earlier that uh, Ava Harold, um, I think Ava, how old is she? Can't be more than, she's five. Last night, uh, God opened her eyes to the beauty of, of who Christ is. And her mom and dad were able to lead her to faith in Christ. And so we praise God for her. Praise God. Let's thank Him. And uh, what a gift to be able to gather as a faith family today. And I was fighting back the uh, tears of joy just to to look out and see you. I know this past year, wow, what a, a season it's been. God has sustained us through it. But when we come to faith in Christ, I was reading Ephesians 2 this week where Christ, the cross, really, what he was doing was creating one new humanity in himself. And we're a family, and we need to be together. We were created to be together, and that was tough being apart. He sustained us, but what a gift to gather today! And if you're a guest with us today, just a special welcome to you. And so good to see you, and um, great to have our college, many of our college students back with us. Our uh, snowbirds, the Bennetts, see you guys. Good to have you here. But I just praise God for the gift of family, and to worship Him here as a team. All right, well, question for you, have you ever missed a sign that mattered? As I thought about that question immediately, the moment that came to my mind was a live and learn moment in driver's ed. It was embarrassing, but it was very productive, and we were cruising, I was driving, cruising down a country road, and I saw this sign up on the, uh, up ahead, and to me, that sign said slow down to a, a reasonable 30 miles an hour, there's a curve coming. Well, that is not the message of this sign. I soon found out that what this sign means is put on your brakes because the road is just going to go straight that way. And sure enough, as I'm flying up towards this sign at 30 miles an hour, I had to slam on the brakes. Everybody, you know, it's a seatbelt check moment. Everybody wakes up and my instructor had some instruction for me. <laughs> and we almost ended up out in that uh, field axle-deep in mud and when i still see this sign on a country road it brings back a smile to my mind but also it speaks to me i hear it yep i'm slowing way down well while jesus was with us he posted a sign again and again and again for his followers that would was to shape our life direction and our ministry as we set out to serve him and for whatever reason The first century followers, disciples, it's it's going past them. They're not getting the message of the sign. And we face the same danger as well or are prone to the same tendency as well. And so today the text we're going to relive is really they're out uh, axle deep in a quagmire of confusion wondering, okay, what in the world just happened? They just flew by the sign and they're struggling with that moment. And we get to listen in as Jesus walks out into that field and debriefs with them on what this sign is and, and, uh, and really plants it again for them and for us as we set out to follow him. So the challenge of the day is simply this: to see this sign clearly and then to align our lives with it, to see it clearly and then to live it out passionately. So as we come to it though you may be wondering why is this sign so important? And uh, that's really what we're going to drive there's three reasons that, that we'll highlight we see throughout scripture. We'll, we'll highlight them in the text, but why this sign really matters. Now, to put a graphic to this, we could paint many pictures, and this sign actually appears all over scripture. And, but I saw a graphic about a year and a half ago that was so good that I, ever since then, I thought, well, I've got to share this with our, our church family. And we, we, we're calling it the J-curve. Now, this comes from an author, pastor, theologian. We'll go ahead and put it up on the screen. This is the picture, and it, it captures the essence of the resurrection, dying and rising with Christ. Paul Miller is his name, and he's written a book that he, he fleshes much of this out, goes into great detail. And so we called him and said, hey, Paul, could we use your graphic for our Easter series And he was kind enough to say, yep, just take it and use it. And so I just want to say thank you to Paul. also recommend this book to you as a great commentary and a theology of the resurrection that walks alongside our series for the next couple weeks. But we ask, okay, what is the J-curve? What what exactly is is he talking about here? And this is where we'll, uh, we'll discover it in our text today. So if you would join me in Luke chapter 23, we'll begin reading in verse 50. We'll pick up from where we left off last Sunday, last week with, as our Lord breathed his final breath. Verse 50 says, now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man. So he's one of the religious leaders of the day who had not consented to their decision and action. So the decision to crucify Christ, he did not go along with this. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. So this is a bold move. And I love this picture of what do you do when the world's going crazy around you? You just do the next right thing. We, we see this in, in what he's goes to, to Pilate, asked for Jesus' body, and then... We have some detail here. He took it down, wrapped it in a linen cloth, placed it in a tomb, cut out in the rock. We know from other accounts this was his own tomb, one in which no one had been laid. Okay, it was preparation day, so it's Friday. They would, in this culture, prepare for Sabbath. And so Friday, they're getting everything ready for Sabbath. The Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee. So remember, Jesus started his ministry in Galilee, travels to Jerusalem. This this group of ladies had followed down. They followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes. But they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment of God. Just to pause there, to fill what these... These ladies are filling, and these followers are filling. Um, man, you talk. Friday was dark, but Sabbath or that Saturday—can you imagine just the silence of that day? The wait of what do we do now? And I think about where we're at, you know, in our in a real, very real way, we're in the wait from when our Lord returns for us. But don't you love where the text just says, "They"? Uh, w- what do you do when? Heaven seems to be silent, and you're in that waiting pattern. They did the next right thing. It was Sabbath. God said, rest on Sabbath, and and so they they rested. It's interesting that all four gospel writers record this account of Joseph and the burial. You say, why is this? Why, Why all four, and why does Luke go into such detail? The obvious answer is God is, is, wants us to see Jesus was dead. He was. We have multiple eyewitnesses. We have a man who took down his body from the cross and held his body, wrapped his body in this linen, buried his body in the tomb, and not just him, we know Nicodemus was with him and these ladies were watching. Jesus was dead. God wanted us to know this. It's Friday, it's Saturday, it's silent, but what do we know also, and and here it comes, Sunday is coming, and the uh, sun breaks on that Sunday morning, Luke chapter 24, verse 1, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of our Lord Jesus. I love how Luke just says, Lord Jesus. Just hinting that uh, he is Lord. The, uh, verse 4, it says, While they were wondering about this, they're confused. There they are in that field, wondering, what in the world's going on? Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. The men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. This is the one thing that changes everything. So if you're the disciple, if you're these ladies and you're hearing these guys, these messengers from heaven explain this, he is not here, he has is, he is risen, what are you, what's your next question? It'd be, where is he? So, so where do we go? Where do we go to meet him? But what do they really need to know? And with the next sentence, we see they plant the sign that that is so important for us to know as well. Verse 7 and 8 says, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must, must be delivered over to the hand of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. What do they need to know? And what does he communicate here? And it's the J-curve. It's the reality that Jesus had to die, the, the death he had to suffer, and then raise from the dead. It's interesting that as Jesus was living, three times Luke records, and we know probably more than this, he, he planted this sign for them. He's like, guys, the, the, uh, the angels here are saying, remember this, he, he told you this. We, uh, we know one, or we'll read one account back in Luke chapter 9, verse 21, where it says, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell anyone. And then he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So early on, he's saying this. And then he said to them, and this is what's important as we think about how this applies to our lives, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves take up their cross daily and follow me for whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me will save it there's something about the j-curve that we struggle to hear we struggle to grasp and as we think about the uh what it is it's often we think about our lives being we, we're here and we want to go right here, right to the, the resurrection glory, right to all that God's created for us to enjoy with him. The part we struggle with is down here, isn't it? It's the cross. It's the suffering. It, it just goes over our heads, and we see it again and again for these followers. But Jesus is clear. Guys, remember this. It's death, suffering, then life. It, it's, it's suffering, then the resurrection, these ladies see it, and so they, they, I picture them, like, for whatever reason, my mind goes to an actual road sign, and these ladies are, like, hauling a road sign back to the, the disciples where they're meeting. They've got the J-curve. They, they've got it. Th- this was it. This is not a surprise to God. This is, this is the perfect plan. It's the J-curve, and so they're carrying the J-curve back to the, the rest of the, uh, the followers of Jesus there, and we pick it up in verse 9. It says, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the disciples. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. The jaker, it's, they're saying, this, this, is, this is what's happened. This is what God said would happen. We have it in scriptures. And what are these guys thinking when they see the sign? Crazy talk, crazy talk. Emotions are getting the best of these ladies. This can't happen. It's it's not computing yet. But Peter, verse 12, he gets up, runs to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. So Peter's now processing what's going on. Well, the next moment that Luke records is that sweet uh, and just kind of a tender moment that we started this series when we celebrated Easter back in January where Jesus slips up alongside two followers who are just sad. It's the end of the day. It's that road to Emmaus. And Jesus uh, slips up and he begins talking to him. But what was the one truth he communicated or one core truth he communicated as he walked along these two with the two? Remember what it was? It was the jaker. It was the sign. He's like, guys, it's here. Verse 26, it said, or verse 25, he says, how foolish you are and slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Verse 26, here's the sign. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Suffering, then the glory. And that brings us to our our primary text for today, or the rest of our, our text for today. Verse 36 so it says, while they were still talking about this, so the two showed up, they're, they're sharing what, what they had experienced with the Lord. Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet, it is I myself. Touch me and see, a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I, as you see I have. And when he had said this, he, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and he ate it in their presence. This is good news for us who enjoy eating when we get to heaven, our glorified bodies. Um, we know there will be a marriage supper of the Lamb, but we're going to enjoy some good food. That at verse 44, he said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. So the entire Old Testament pointing to him and then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And what did he tell them? What what was the main point? As they look back throughout the whole Testament, what was the, the main thing? He said, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. It's the curve. suffering and then resurrection. And, and repentance and the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And that's, we've witnessed that, we're seeing that even today. He says in verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, which is what? And we we catch this in the sequel, in the book of Acts, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, the empowering presence of His Spirit. But He says, stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And this power is the the ministry of the Holy Spirit that indwells us as His followers. And so what was the main point our Lord communicates? What what does God want us to know post-resurrection? And we, we can come back to to really verse 46, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead. So what is the J-curve? If we were to define this, and we'll use what the definition Paul Miller uses, it's, it's dying and rising with Christ in our everyday lives. Now, as we understand the theology of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's a past present and future application to our lives. All three applications are important and fill us with joy, hope, and really leave us on our knees in worship as we understand what Christ did for us and what it means for us. The past application is this. When we understand what who Jesus is and what he did for us and we put our faith in him, we are we are one with him or we have union with him such that we share in his death and his resurrection. So we are already, it's past, already dead. We've died with him and we are already raised. Colossians chapter 3 is a text that explains this in a, a nutshell format. There in verses 1 to 3. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. So we've already been raised with Christ. If you're in him... You're in, in, a, in a sense, you're already um, raised up. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, there's our death with him, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So that's the past application. The future application is the reality that Today, we live in a very real way under the curse of of sin, our own sin that creates decay and death in these bodies. And every once in a while, you hear someone, I'll hear someone say, you know, death is just a part of life. It was never meant to be. We were not created to die. It's, It's a foreign intrusion into the perfect creation of God. But Jesus came to reverse the curse and our hope, our resurrection hope, is that one day when we breathe our final breath, that, uh, that we're, our spirit is immediately present with the Lord, but when our Lord returns, these bodies will be resurrected. And 1 Corinthians chapter f- uh, 15 really summarizes, or uh, is a, an entire chapter given to this precious truth of the resurrection of our bodies Verse 42 to 45, 44, summarize it. And I'll just read those. It says, so, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body, our body, physical body that is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, and it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. So as we apply the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ to our lives, there's a past a future application but today our focus is on the present application and I think it's an application that, that I know I had often missed and just celebrated and lived in and it is this that in a very real way as we go out to follow Jesus in our everyday lives it is a daily dying to self and being raised by the power of Jesus Christ as we follow him to do the good that he's called us to do. So the challenge today where we're starting this series and we're going to flesh this out for the next three weeks and um, every week matters and we'll build upon it itself but today the challenge is may we see this sign clearly so that we might live it out passionately. So it's a, a seeing of it and then saying okay that's the way I'm going to go so that we don't end up out in the field of confusion, axle-deep, and, and uh, with, with all kinds of issues, and, and I'll flesh out. You say, well, why is this so important? Three reasons why it matters to see it and live it out. The first one is, reason one, the J-curve maps our life mission. As you think about what, what Christ calls us to when he says, take up your cross and follow me. The way I lived, live, live like this. The first move is not up and to the right, which man, we, we, we like up and to the right, don't we? <laughs> this is a different kingdom we're living in, and he says, if you're going to follow me, the rest of the world is chasing up and to the right. Your first move is down in death. It's dying to self. Take up your cross daily and follow me. I love the way Paul Miller describes it. It's... it's embodying the gospel as we follow Jesus. He died for us. When we believe this, we receive eternal life. That's faith. Therefore, as his follower, we say, he died for me, I will die for you. That's love. And that's the call of God on our lives. The calling of our Lord again and again and again is sacrificial love this is so important that we see the sign because the flesh in us, the old nature in us, what, what does it want? It wants to be elevated. It wants, to be, it wants the glory. It wants the self at the top. It, it wants the win. It wants all this stuff. And, and Jesus is saying, no, no, no. The first move is to humble yourself, to, to put the needs of others above yourself, to die to yourself for the sake of those around you. And I tell you what, it, can I get a witness? This is painful. this is flat out painful there's nothing easy about this the the, the j curve it hurts self-streams but it is a flesh killing machine when we see this sign and we realize this is the route of a follower of jesus say well how does this play out in everyday life on week three we're going to go back into luke 9 and flesh this out and It's going to be super practical. We'll we'll talk through the logistics of how do we die and and what does this look like to take the downward downward ascent of the J curve. But I'll just summarize it saying it's a a radical way of doing life, but it's what he calls us to, to reenact his death daily. This is our life mission. It, It maps life mission. Second reason that we must see this clearly is that it orients us in our suffering. You know, when we're down here at the bottom of the J-curve, and it can be disorienting, can it? It can be confusing, and because it, it hurts, it does, and it's in our suffering, we can wonder, God, where are you? Like, this doesn't feel like I'm a, a treasured child of the Most High God. It feels like I've been forgotten, a, and I don't get this. I don't get how... This loss or this pain or this thing that has happened to me or the evil that I'm suffering because of other people's evil decisions, how can this be a good plan? But when we see the (laughs) J-curve, when we see it, God whispers to our heart, this is part of it. This is part of my perfect plan. And I'm a God that's big enough to take the greatest Injustice, the greatest pain, the greatest unleashing of evil, and turn that moment into the greatest good for my glory. Amen? That's the cross, that's the resurrection, and that's the way of faith. And that's our path as well. You know, I love the J curve as I've thought about it because the older I got, I'm fit, almost lived half a century, and man, I'm, okay. I came into this um, rejoicing in the Lord in Philippians chapter 4, rejoicing in the Lord. And that was, for whatever reason, God gave me a personality where that's just kind of where I go. But you know what? The longer I walk with people and live, earlier in uh, Philippians, Paul says, I'm glad that uh, one of my followers got or disciple got back to you so I didn't have sorrow upon sorrow. I'm like, okay, Paul, brother, cried. Jesus sobbed when he was here he sobbed over jerusalem you know and when we understand the j-curve it helps us be honest with our emotions and honest with the suffering it's a, a paradox we feel but we hurt down here don't we the the pain that we feel the evil that we experience it's real and we cry real tears and our sorrow is real but as we sorrow And as we weep, we have an unshakable confidence that the living God is at work in this pain. And though we may sweat, we won't sweat drops of blood as our Lord did, but as we hurt, we know that a resurrection day is coming. We know He is at work, even in our suffering. There is a providential must to the suffering that you will endure as you follow Jesus you go back through this text and you look back to verse uh, chapter 24 verse 7 it says the son of man must be delivered and this is so helpful orienting when we're in our painful moments it doesn't take the pain away but it steadies us so like Jesus he didn't lose uh, direction or, or veer from what God called him to do he was able to keep on and, and finish the work so not only does this sign map our life mission, it orients us in our suffering. But third reason that we must see it is that it fills us with hope. One thing we know to the core of our being as we do life is yes, there will be suffering, but we will end up higher than where we began, and the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is at work, even in these moments. And life is really, for the follower of Jesus, a series of many resurrections as he, he does his work in us and does his work through us. I love the, uh, the way Paul prays for the believers in Ephesus as he's... Uh, He says, verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. The power that is at work in us as the followers of Jesus Christ is none other than the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And it is in our weakness that, that his power is displayed. As Paul explains throughout his uh, his letters to the churches, our King is alive and he has given us the power, his power. I, I love the way Paul says it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 18 where he says, In Christ you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. And as we look to Christ, 2 Corinthians three eighteen, we are being transformed um, into His image with an ever-increasing glory. That's resurrection power. That as we die to self, we are being transformed to look more and more like Christ so that His power might not just dwell in us, so that people say, look at you, but rather so that his power would flow through us, that we might be his life-giving presence to where there is pain, brokenness, and hurt in this world as we share his love. Amen? That's the work of God, the plan of God, and how it's playing out through the the J-curve. And so uh, as we say, okay, how does this bring us hope? And if Paul is explaining in his ministry how he's Daily, it's, it's a dying to self, and he's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, but he comes to the end of that chapter, and he says this, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. That's the downward descent. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. That's the, the resurrection. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So whatever the Lord has given you to do today, this week, and it's neat to think, each of us have good works that he's called us to do. There will be a dying, but there will also be an empowering, where he will give you what you need, the power that you need, to do what he's called you to do. And it's so important that we see this, the tendency is we focus on our, our own strength, our own power, and, and we can grow discouraged and wonder, how am I going to get it done? But it's as we see the J-curve that we have the hope to do what he's called us to do for his glory. Paul Miller, in his book, shares a story of a, a pastor named Dmitri who uh, was imprisoned for his faith 17 years in a Soviet prison. And Every morning, he would stand by his bed, raise his hands, and he would sing his favorite hymn, which was called the Heart Song. And he would sing this as loudly as he could. And evidently, there were around 1,500 other prisoners who could hear him and would start to mock him. For 15 years, every day, this was his practice. And the, the day came when the ruler the, uh, they offered him a freedom if he would deny his faith. And his response was, he wrote down several scripture verses, gave them to them, and basically said nope. And so the guards came to lead him to what he thought was going to be his, resor- his uh, execution. And as he, they led him out of his cell, the entire prison erupted with what sounded like 1,500 prisoners singing his heart song. <laughs> and the guard stops, guards stopped and said, who are you? And Dimitri said, I am Jesus in your midst. The J-curve, living it day by day. What was it that our Lord wanted us to know post-resurrection? He said it again and again and again. This is the route. This is what it looks like to follow me. It's the J-curve. It's dying to self. And being raised by the power of god it's so important that we see this sign because it maps our life mission orients us in our suffering and fills us with hope to carry on so the challenge for us today are you seeing it and then would you commit to live it to follow jesus this way it was august 22nd night or 18 way back 1851 when a skipper john stevens and a six-man crew won the america's cup and it was a 53-mile sailing race, and it was uh, evidently witnessed by uh, Queen Victoria, who reportedly asked, who came in second? And the infamous answer was, there is no second. This is our race, and we win it. And so that began a 132-year winning streak. Now, can you imagine all the competitors having to show up against that kind of winning streak, and evidently they had the edge on the race, and you know how would you even want to win a race in a uh, against a a uh, a legend like that? But on September twenty sixth, nineteen eighty three, John Bertrand and his crew on the Australian Two won the race. Won that race. It was a battle. They won it by forty one seconds, and uh, became you know the heroes of, of Australia and really the rest of the world took note of this. And the question began to surface, how did they do it? Was it something structural with the the sailboat? And there was some tweaks they made with that. But really, they all pointed to one thing. And it happened three years earlier when a skipper named Mike Fletcher made a recording of them winning the, the America's Cup. And he went so far as even to add in the the sound of a sailboat cutting through the water. And then he gave this recording to every member of the crew and said, for twice a day, for three years, you must listen to this. Every day. And so by the time these guys got to the race, what were they seeing? (laughs) The race was already won. They'd won it twice a day for three years. When Jesus was with us, think about what a gift. He said, guys... This is what I've been telling you. Suffering, then resurrection. And and, and today, for those of us who are following him, same thing, see it, see it, see it, so that you might live it. Die to self, and then rise with Christ. The sign God has given us maps our life mission, orients us in our suffering, and fills us with hope. The word of God verse 7 of chapter 24 remember how he told you while he was with you still with you in Galilee the son of man must be delivered over to the hand of sinners be crucified and on the third day raised again. Then they remembered his words. Today if you're listening to this and maybe it's all coming together for the first time understanding who Jesus is and what He's done for you, and you realize you don't have a relationship with Him and have not asked Him to forgive you of your sin and and to trust Him as your Savior, I invite you into that precious relationship. It's the one thing that changes everything, and to uh, call out to Him, and He will give you eternal life. For those of us who do know Him, would you commit just to take this with you, this picture, Let it be on the forefront of your mind. Even a couple times a day, just remember the J-curve. Pray, Lord, help me live it. Eyes on you. And uh, as we follow him, you join me in prayer. Father, I thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for the hope we have and what you've done for us at the cross. And then this beautiful truth that, that you have risen. Lord, I thank you for reminding us of this sign and and helping us see it clearly. I thank you for the calling to join you in your suffering and in the resurrection power in an everyday, moment-by-moment way. Lord, we pray for your grace to just empower us to see this and then to live it for your glory. Thank you for each person that's here today, and Lord, I pray that you would meet each one of us just where we're at and provide just what we need through your word. We pray this In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.